Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, would you love to hear us give the same treatment to Futurama? Who would do a thing like that? Who could do a thing like that? Then you'll be delighted to know we're doing just that for Futurama's entire first season. Hey, when you look this good, you don't have to know anything. And it'll only be available for people who donate at the $5 level to the Talking Simpsons Patreon. Oh god, no! And along with 13 episodes of Talking Futurama, you'll get all 23 episodes of Talking Critic, the entire first season of Talking Simpsons, monthly community podcasts, interviews with Simpsons writers, and so much more! Shut up and take my money! Remember, go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to get your hands on podcasts from the world of tomorrow! I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons, where a quarter makes us dance for hours. I'm your host, Bob Schmoikel Mackey, and this is a chronological exploration of The Simpsons in podcast form. Who is here with me today? Henry Gilbert, and I'm sure you'll find this podcast more exciting than a weekend with Batman. <laughs> and who do we have calling in? Uh, we have John Walsh, I go by Super Eyepatch Wolf Online, and you may remember me from other celebrity funerals, such as Andre the Giant, <laughs> We Hardly Knew Ye. <laughs> <laughs> today we mourn a stooge, and today's episode is Bart the Fink... Gook, gook. Are you folks ready to go, Abe? Today's episode aired on February 11th, 1996, and Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, the Cleveland Browns are officially killed by Art Modell and the NFL. Christian Slater battles John Travolta in John Woo's Broken Arrow, and IBM's Deep Blue battles Gary Kasparov at chess across six different games. Hmm, now, So this will mean nothing to John not living in America, but I lived in Northeast Ohio when the Browns mm-hmm. fell, and there was open talk of murder on the streets, <laughs> murdering Art Modell. Art Modell yeah. betrayed them by stealing the team from them, but he couldn't call it the Browns in... Baltimore, they just became the Ravens. Yeah, and actually, I'm surprised. So, Youngstown was a hotbed. I'm from Youngstown, Ohio. It was a hotbed of, like, mafia activity when there was money. When the money was gone, the mafia was like, we're, we're leaving. Goodbye. <laughs> but there had to be at least one old mafia guy hanging around that would have killed Art Mardell. I'm, I'm honestly mm-hmm. surprised he, he survived. I'm surprised yeah. he, he, he was able to flee Ohio <laughs> safely. Uh, meanwhile, that Broken Arrow film, John Woo, it was, I think it was the first John Woo movie I saw, or maybe, maybe I saw Hard Target as well, but I... It was right after this that I super got into John Woo films and Hong Kong action movies, which are just so amazing and crazy. At least the ones from the 90s and 80s were. And then eventually, once the communists took over, then they became a lot more uh, sterile, unfortunately. Mm. I think his greatest movie is Face Off because Mm -hmm. he didn't know he was making an amazing comedy. (laughs) And that's what it is. So uh, let's talk to John. Uh, John, can you tell our listeners who you are and what you do in case they don't know? But I think they should. Um, so, yeah, uh, my name's John. I run a channel called Super Eyepatch Wolf on YouTube. Um, generally, I'll talk about anime. Sometimes I'll talk about other stuff. And uh, one of the videos I did a little while back was actually a pretty long video. It was like 30 minutes about The Simpsons and kind of like what was great about it and then kind of how it sort of, we'll say, tapered off as the seasons went on. Yeah, I've been doing that for about a year, or about a year full-time, two years kind of on and off, and it's it's been really cool. I'm a big fan of your channel. I've watched uh, every video for, uh, in like the last six months, just, uh, you know, binged on all of them. And it's really helped me with, in the past year or so, I am a reborn anime <laughs> enthusiast. I had I'd pretty much quit in like 2004 once it felt like everything was a harem show. And now that I've come back to it, I feel like your, your shows, your Why You Should Watch has really helped 
helped me rediscover stuff. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think anime is like... There is a lot of reasons to stop watching anime at any given time, uh-huh. like especially <laughs> if you watch enough of it. But like, I do think it's it's like there is also a lot of good stuff out there, and that's that's kind of what I like try and focus on with my channel. Like my main series is called Why You Should Watch, where I'll take a show and just explain like twenty minutes, like, hey, this is really good. It's worth checking out, like whether you're into anime or not. Yeah, I really like those because you take uh, very popular things that we take for granted, like One Piece and Dragon Ball Z, but then you step back and say, well, why do people like this? Why is this so good? And that's great because I think like we just don't even think about that when something becomes successful enough. Yeah, yeah. And like I think kind of the temptation, I feel like a lot of the time with people is something will blow up and they'll be like, well, that's just popular because it's popular. But I think like for a lot of shows, and especially with the kind of like, you know, One Piece and Dragon Ball and stuff, there's really interesting reasons to why so many people get drawn to those shows um, and and same for the simpsons like i think when you look at like the cultural climate the simpsons grew like became big in it was so reflective of the 90s of like tv and the 90s of culture in the 90s like it's it's the perfect 90s shows in a lot of ways hmm. i something i never really took into consideration until i watched your videos was the back-breaking like horrible labor that it is to be <laughs> a manga artist uh, on a weekly schedule oh. like it it completely changed my perception of like Hey, oh, I guess I shouldn't feel too bad that this Naruto ran out of steam per se. <laughs> He's just a man. Yeah, totally. Like I've, I've kind of that's something I've kind of like been exploring more and more as I go on. And yeah, like it's it's you know you're a dude, you're like one guy, and you might have some assistance, but you have to do twenty two pages a week. Like mm. it's it's a it has to be a nightmare. I know, like, but it kind of makes me respect the work they put into it. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, the the folks who can flourish in that uh often end up being amazing artists well so i was curious like your simpsons history when did you come to the show uh, you're you're a native of ireland correct yep um so i've been watching the simpsons like as long as i have conscious memory like uh, mm-hmm. i know my first episodes were from season one i couldn't i think the first one i remember watching was uh you know the one where homer is the bigfoot is that yes, season one, yeah. right? That's season one. Yeah. yeah. Call of the Simpsons. And I just rem- I remember the bit where they lay the trap for the rabbit and it flings the rabbit off into the horizon. <laughs> and I remember just like laughing and laughing and laughing at that and not just like I couldn't delete. Like, I think that's the first like time a television joke kind of stuck with me, you <laughs> know? And it's kind of interesting living in Ireland because for pretty much my entire generation, The Simpsons was how we learned about America. Like, that's Mm. how we learned about American culture. And to this day, I'll still, I'll be watching, like, an old American movie and realize that The Simpsons was, like, referencing something in it, you know? Mm. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I've had that experience talking about The Simpsons with English-speaking non-Americans. Like, I, I met a guy in Australia in the games press who told me that's all he learned about American culture was from that, from Simpsons. The same with Brits as well. It's yeah. fairly accurate in yeah. its portrayal of America. Yeah, I will much, say that. It's pretty close. Mm. Yeah. No, there's several references in this, John, that I wondered, like, did they even make sense to a non-American who didn't, like, exist in, in American culture in the 90s? Oh, loads. Like, mm-hmm. there, there, there is a lot. And it's funny because sometimes I think they're making, like, an absurdist joke. Like, sometimes I think they'll, they're just, like, it's something completely random. And then I'll find out it's not. And I'll actually be like, oh, because that's a joke I've been laughing at for years. And then it gets recontextualized. <laughs> that happens a lot to us on doing research of this show. Like, oh, that was a reference to The Untouchables. I had no idea. I thought it was just Mr. Burns hitting someone with a baseball bat. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I had I had that exact one as well. Last question I want to ask you in the preamble here is like, you are so clearly a pro wrestling fan, and when are you going to do a wrestling episode of uh, of on your YouTube channel? Um, what day is this going out? Oh, um, I guess about three weeks from now, three or four weeks. Uh, okay, <laughs> the next video I'm doing is a pro wrestling video. Yay! Oh, awesome. Oh, huzzah. <laughs> yeah. is, the, that a, is that a New Japan pro wrestling t-shirt I see? Oh, yes, yeah, you, it, it is a new, my New Japan. I wasn't wearing this to impress you with uh, my New Japan shirt, yes, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm I'm literally just catching up on Wrestle Kingdom now. It is amazing. Uh, that was I. Sorry, derail. This is wrestling talk. This Bob. is a Simpsons podcast. <laughs> I, I just I signed up for anime, but not wrestling. I was I was there live for Wrestle Kingdom. I flew to Tokyo and saw it live. Like it was it was awesome, hope, man. Uh, but okay, awesome. Let's... Well, I look forward to that. I do want to get into the episode though yes. because there's there's one of the few odd like teleplay credits on a Simpsons episode because yeah. uh, story by Bob Cushell, uh, teleplay by John Schwartzwalder, and if you've listened to past episodes, I think Bob Cushell was like one of the only people fired mm-hmm. from the writing staff. We're sort of like you know put in the corner and the contract yeah. ran out. I just reread that part in the unauthorized history of the Simpsons book. The uh, with Bob Cushell telling the story about how they were having a big fight. You've told it many times, right. there, Bob. They were having a big fight over the critic episode, how they felt it was, some writers felt, including Cushell, that it was lowering the bar for The Simpsons. It was a mistake. And he was talking about that. And then Dave Merkin said, and that's why you're an asshole. And Bob Cushell was so incensed. He was like, you don't call people an asshole. He gave this whole speech about it. And David Merkin was not going to apologize. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the story was that Merkin Merkin, the the idea from other writers who commented on it in the book was that Merkin felt that Cushel was uh, not respecting the hierarchy, and uh, and also people, not every writer liked Merkin, and it it was a very rereading it now, it felt like such a familiar story to me of being mad at a boss at work and then having uh, exploding at them <laughs> and then having uh, a co-workers quietly tell you i'm so glad you did that like thank yeah. you we needed to hear that. <laughs> yeah and also at the time i think uh, during the merkin years the writing staff was just in his office like yes. the writing room was his office mm-hmm. so it must have been like kind of a weird situation it's a real where, power trip yeah. I think, yeah but it turned out very well and i'll say directed by jim reardon one of the best simpsons directors and it's very reardon-y there are a lot of great great drawings that you mm-hmm. you won't see anywhere else including one of my favorites in the history of the simpsons which we'll get to later <laughs> uh it's so good but uh, this episode starts with one of the horriest old, old-timey sitcom tropes, uh, spending the night in the Haunted Mansion, which The Simpsons has already done. Yes. But this time we actually see them go to it. In in Homer Loves Flanders, yeah. it ended with this, but it was a haunted house. But uh, yes, apologies, this is a longer clip than usual, but every part of this minute-long opening is beautiful. May I offer my condolences on the untimely passing of your great-aunt Hortense? As her only living heirs, you stand to inherit her entire estate. (laughs) Poor Aunt Hortense. (laughs) 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 The only stipulation is that you spend one night in a haunted house. Mm, Isn't that somewhat unusual? (laughs) No, it's a standard clause. Well, luckily, there's no such thing as ghosts. No such thing as ghosts. 
Best night's sleep I ever had. Their tap water tasted better than ours. Here you go. One hundred dollars each. <laughs> the rest goes to Ann Landers, as was stipulated in your aunt's will. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I must have continued talking after you left the office. I do that sometimes. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah, Hank Azaria. In this episode, he's playing so many like one-time characters with great voices. They're all amazing. Yeah. That that whole that whole thing is just a series of cliches <laughs> rammed together, all for the excuse to just give The Simpsons a hundred dollars. Yes. Like Bart needs to have a hundred dollars. That's all the point is. And it's all like in one minute. It all happens. <laughs> I love. I just love how like each little joke of that kind of follows on from the one before and builds up to it to just this super <laughs> underwhelming, nearly like nonsensical. Yeah, it's a hundred dollars. Like it's it's so great. And Homer was right. There are no such thing as ghosts, so uh, they were fine. He was totally fine. <laughs> and their tap water. I I think of that whenever I'm on vacation and I yeah. like the taste of the water. I think of that. Line. But it literally was the Bates Mansion from uh, Psycho. Like <laughs> like just like, yeah, just yeah. a replica of it. Hortense is such a beautiful name, too. And I guess if it was on Homer's side, then I guess she was like a great aunt of Abe's or related. She has to be related to Abe. Why is Abe there? He's yeah. He's left out of that. There was no grandpa joke to write for the scene. That's why uh, he wasn't there. But yeah, that that long laughing of the uh, of the estate manager, too. And his, that Ann Landers got all of Hortense's money, too, just because she was the only person she read, I guess. <laughs> or wrote to, or like, corresponded with. I, I, love, I love the way he kind of takes this mysterious glee in that. Like, mm. he, he's having a really good time, like, informing the Simpsons that they're not getting their money. This yeah. is how he has his fun, I think, this character. And I also <laughs> like, in his opinion, it's like, no, it's very normal you stay in a haunted house. It's a standard clause. Standard clause. <laughs> uh, so, the, the kids have insane ideas to invest their money in things like tacos and public broadcasting. Yes. Uh, Marge wants them to open a bank account. What are you going to spend your money on, kids? There's a special on tacos down at the taco mat. 100 tacos for $100. I'm going to get that. I'm going to contribute my money to the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Tacos? Mm. Public Broadcasting? I won't have you kids throwing your money away like that. You're both coming downtown with me and you're going to put that money in the bank. <laughs> sure could go for a hundred tacos right about now. No! <laughs> yes, this should provide adequate sustenance for the Doctor Who marathon. I don't know how comic book guy and that wheelbarrow fit in that tiny photo mat. Mm. <laughs> and how, yeah. how they prepared... <laughs> sorry, not photo mat, taco mat. Mm-hmm. And I love the implication that uh, in America, at least in 1996, if you were an American Doctor Who fan, you were the lowest of the low <laughs> of nerds. Like, more so than even anime, I would say. So that's why it had to be a Doctor Who marathon that he was watching. Now it's kind yeah. of cool? I mean, I think to a degree it's cool here, only thanks to, like, the recent shows. Like, the, yeah. the 80s shows we got. I guess at 96, Doctor Who is dead. I don't know, but John, are you much of a Doctor Who fan? No, no. I, I, I kind of, I've just never been at a point where it's like someone was like, you really need to watch this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's never really clicked for me either. Even the new shows that people are like, no, this is great. It's longer than every anime put together. <laughs> it is. And uh, though I think you could get way more than 100 tacos for 100 bucks at Taco Bell. They're like 50 cents a taco. In 1996, it was like 69 cents for a taco. Mm-hmm. Maybe these are higher quality Free. tacos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Taco yeah. Bell tacos are super cheap. Like, well, because they're like grade F dog mm-hmm. food meat. Now they're over a dollar. What am I, a millionaire? <laughs> I still remember. Like, I only had Taco Bell for the first time, like, 
like two years ago. Oh yeah. Uh, there's no ta- there was no tacos in Ireland for ages. So this scene was actually the first time I ever heard of like a taco. And I was like, Mom, what's that? <laughs> she was like, I I don't know, son. <laughs> there's something wrong with that sandwich. <laughs> I, it, I've also found it hard to get tacos in Japan I, when I've visited there too. That's that's uh, I've never I've never been overseas to uh, over the Atlantic, so I I have not experienced the lack of tacos there. Though I'm not the biggest Taco Bell fan anyway. They're all right. I, uh, oh, so did you guys ever fall into the scam of your parents convincing you to open a checking account with like birthday money? Like have you have like a hundred bucks? And I'm like no, you gotta put, save this for a rainy day. Yeah, I mean, so uh, there's a joke in this later where Lisa is bragging about the very pathetic interest rates like mm-hmm. you know uh, her account gets uh, 2.3% instead of the normal 2.25% mm-hmm. I was looking online at like what are the interest rates of savings accounts today they're mm-hmm. like they're barely approaching 2% if, if you get 2% you you found you like hit the lottery with a wow. savings account like this was like the golden yes, era of interest here. I was pushed to start savings account myself by my parents because they thought it would teach me the value of money it did not and I <laughs> learned nothing uh, and I wish I had had all the toys I could have bought with that money. But what ended up happening was, so they op- made me open a checking account when I was like eight or nine. Eight and, or nine. And they put money into it, uh, and I put money into it. And the end result of it was when I was 19 and had uh, unfiltered access to it, and I had just quit my movie theater job but got really into Heroclix, I spent all $800 in there on Heroclix until there was no money left. And those hero clicks uh, went on to make you famous. I, I actually just threw all those hero clicks away in my big move. I looked at the box. I was like, "You're a thousand dollars of hero clicks, but I haven't touched you in te- in eight years. It's just, it's a waste." So then they go inside. We get to see. Uh, I really like the gags they get out of the bank. Like any bit, they need an extra joke on visiting the bank, and they found one. You feel better knowing your money's in the hands of professionals. Ook ook. <laughs> Are you folks ready to go, Abe? Mom. A professional in an ape mask is still a professional. And you'll find that saving for your future is far more thrilling than any roller coaster. Really? Wow, I should have started a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Now fill out these forms. I'm sure you'll find them more exciting than a weekend with Batman. <laughs> that gag of just the lie to Bart's face that and Bart just believes it. It's so boring. But the I also love the hierarchy of the bank as well. The manager wears a full ape suit while all the tellers just wear the ape mask. That's right. They can only afford I, I so love that. Yeah. Like it's such a good visual gag that like someone made the decision. No, the manager needs like a full grown ape suit. Like <laughs> And that and the look uh the sound of talking through the ape mask is just so beautiful too. Like it feels like fully. they wore a mask wearing it. I like any uh, joke about something that's very boring because they're extra hard to write. Like, how do you make this boring and also funny? So you have boring bank tellers who, when you put them in eight pack costumes, and yeah, that's it's a Futurama worthy line about the uh, about the interest rates and how that equals an extra nickel, having an extra point zero five percent interest rate. God, yeah. Again, I was looking at savings account, and there were some that were like point zero five percent, like. Ugh. You need to literally invest millions of dollars into the bank before it pays out. I've been living check to check for so long that a savings account just seems ludicrous to me. I'm like, savings? What? Well, what if I need it? Yeah, I'll need it. I'll need it for toys. Though I think a responsible parent like Marge w- should have just taken those checks from Bart. Like, no, yeah. that you don't get to have checks. You're I, 10. Especially Bart. Yes. But especially Bart. But it's- <laughs> 
and uh and and i also like that they ringed every mundane joke about checking they could out of it before they finished with it of like he writes uh oh what's the joke well post dated check okay waiting a bully waiting for the check to clear writing uh a one penny check to somebody all those che- like those checks must have cost Martin like 10 bucks though i know every time i've gotten a new set of checks yeah i and i like how lisa takes getting one cent very seriously she's mm-hmm. like i'm responsible i'll put yeah. this away <laughs> i like how uh, milhouse checks his watch when mm-hmm. for, <laughs> like waiting for the year ten thousand. <laughs> it's so beautiful i yeah his i almost wish the screen was out just a little farther and you got to see him like kick his legs too when he's doing it but just that <laughs> look at his watch it's the right amount of seconds that past too that makes that joke work so this whole thing about receiving canceled checks back in the mail is such a relic of this era i I, when i had a checking account it was like i think i started a checking account when i was 18 in the year 2000 by that time they weren't doing this but in Mm -hmm. the past when you wrote a check to someone and they cashed it it was sent back to you so you would know oh they cashed my check now i can deduct it from my you know ledger but now everything is digital (laughs) and now when your check is cashed you see a picture of it online there's no sending the checks back to you like what a what a convoluted system that used to be in place until like 15 years ago 20 years ago i mean check- someone will occasionally give me a check for something and i have no idea what to do with it i think i just have a, a drawer of them and i'm just i where do they go what are they for i know checks are very they feel so dated but we still work a lot i mean uh, i now it's almost a year since i quit uh quit being in the rat races like ned flanders <laughs> and uh in that case i I, uh, I still had direct deposits, so I haven't really like endorsed a check except for when I pay myself out of our joint bank account. I still like writing a check to myself. Yeah, it's I have fun. to write well, one check a month, which is why I have to buy checks, just to write one check a month. It's a conspiracy, I tell you. <laughs> the check industry. <laughs> They're in bed with the rent industry. <laughs> I mean, uh, they are. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. Uh, so, yeah, then all all of this rigmarole, the, the haunted house, the $100, the checking account, the check jokes, all just to get to Krusty the Clown signing something. And I love Bart's hunt for his signature. That's it. No more autographs. I gotta go. They're naming a new sandwich after me at my restaurant. Mm -hmm. No. That's okay, Bart. You can share mine. Quick, press against me while the ink's still wet. No need. I'm going to get (laughs) Krusty's autograph the easy way. If he wants these 25 cents, he'll have to endorse the check by signing it on the back. Then, when my monthly bank statement comes, I'll get the check back complete with autograph. No fuss, no muss. That's a good plan, (laughs) but it won't impress girls like this. I love the sort of dorky hillbilly laugh that Milhouse lapses into sometimes, (laughs) like in Bart Seltz's soul. (laughs) It's a very nerdy, dorky laugh. So, deconstructing jokes. This one I love of the, they're naming a sandwich after me in my restaurant. Okay, one. Yes. He owns his own restaurant. He can name a sandwich whatever he wants at it. Then, Wait, is that restaurant Krusty Burger? And then two, the restaurant is Krusty Burger. So they're just making a new Krusty Burger. Like that. It doesn't. Uh, it's just so beautiful that yeah. he would take pride. I guess I just sort of glossed over that, but that is great. It's beautiful. Yeah, they put a lot of work into that little uh, meaningless exposition. Every line matters in these. I, yeah. I just love that. We passed over. Totally. It. Yeah, oh. we passed over it, but I do want to say Jimbo's real name being Corky. That is not canon. Oh yeah, they did not keep. Keep that. <laughs> oh, but sorry, John, you were going to say. Oh, no, yeah, I was just agreeing about um, the line there, like just all the little work that went into that one little bit. Like, it's so kind of, it's great because it also kind of shows you Krusty is just, 
he has built up this empire that he barely has any control over as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe you know that's good. That's a good way of seeing it too. That he, they're naming a sandwich after him because he has no control. It's owned by like five holding companies <laughs> on top of him. Yeah, and last season we saw how bad he is with money. This is another crusty is terrible mm. with money episode. I know, right? Well, he also is so cheap that he'll cash a twenty-five cent check yeah. from a child. He's so greedy. Well, I mean, at least he doesn't recognize Bart's name because, like, he. It's been proven already. He doesn't remember Bart. <laughs> He's got a real Mr. Burns uh, disorder that allows more plots to happen. <laughs> I mean, that's one of my favorites in the... Uh, yeah. Right after the box factory, and Bart's like, come on, I saved you, Korea man. Remember the comeback special? <laughs> <laughs> what have you done for me lately? <laughs> The Simpsons will be right back. Ook, ook, you'll go ape over our podcast. And I don't just mean Talking Simpsons, the one you're listening to right now, though thanks so much for listening. But we do so many amazing podcasts here in the Talking Simpsons family. And you find out about all of them at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Sign up there and just for $5 a month, you'll hear every episode of the show a week early and ad-free. But that's just the start of it. You'll get access to the entire first season of Talking Simpsons, where we go through the first year of the show you'll get access to the deleted scenes commentary you'll get access to our season wrap-ups where we go through the biggest news items that happened during that season of the simpsons for two three four five six and i'm sure seven when that day arrives not to mention you'll get access to talking critic where we go through every episode of the critic the simpsons kind of sort of spin-off even the terrible webisodes and right now we are going through the entire first season of Futurama only on Patreon in Talking Futurama and you can hear all of those right there me and Bob going through them you get so much for just five dollars a month I don't understand why you haven't signed up today We'll be dancing for hours, not just on this podcast, but on our other podcast, What a Cartoon! Me and Bob do the Talking Simpsons style, but for a different cartoon each week. Would you love to hear us talk about the Batman the Animated Series episode, Heart of Ice? Would you want to hear us reflect on what made King of the Hill so perfect? Or even anime, like when we went through the first episode of Kill la Kill? Those series and so many more have been discussed on What a Cartoon each week as a weekly free podcast you can find on your devices or if you sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons as part of your five dollar a month donation you'll get access to every episode of what a cartoon a week early and ad free just like you do with the simpsons so be sure to check it out Oh, yeah, also with the check signing stuff. I, this was, I think, the first time I believe it is a joke that Apu's name is so long, he has to write his signature on two lines on a check. Oh, I like, missed that. It's You get to see the full Nahasapima Petalon all the way out there. And all the checks are for, like, 25 cents or mm-hmm. whatever. Though I would... 
I was waiting for them to make a joke in the reason what the check is for. He doesn't write that in the in those though, unfortunately. That's true. There's a weird like sort of somebody was paying attention to like the dates on this episode because I believe it starts on like January fourth, and the last check that we see Bart write is like January twenty second. So somebody was keeping track of like the the timeline if, of this episode. If he got this at the start of the month, this would have been the start of February, and this aired February eleventh. It was so actually he, January on the checks. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. So January checks given to him at the end of the month oh. in his bank statement at the start of February. You're right, you're right, you're right. Okay, cool. Yeah, so the, okay, wow. Somebody <laughs> somebody paid attention to that detail. Again, nerds. Nerds yes. writing this show. So then Bart seeing the Cayman Island stamp that reveals that Krusty has been unpaid, using unpaid taxes and fake tel- tax shelters for years to keeping his money from the government. Uh, there's many celebrities who have been brought down by unpaid taxes, though this time I think this was really a Willie Nelson reference. Yeah. Because they garnished his celery quite a lot <laughs> afterwards. And I feel like Krusty's got a giant corporation. Things are much less innocent today in America, at least, where you no longer have to hide your money. You just mm. say, uh, I don't want to pay taxes anymore. And America's like, don't go ahead. It's there's, fine. There's been so many stories of like Amazon paid no taxes, GE paid no taxes. And we all just kind of shrug like, well, I guess they don't have to. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Activision, the major the Call of Duty guys, they was revealed they pay like no taxes at all, despite having like the most successful games like franchise for the last uh, 10 years. Wow. Man. Well, you know, they're job creators. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure they do a lot of that. Uh, that well, that story about this is going to get into socialism hour now. But uh, <laughs> no, there was that story too about all the people trying to get Amazon, all the all the cities in America trying to get Amazon to open up businesses there. Uh, one of the cities was like, "We'll give you some of the income tax we would have co- we're collecting from your employees," which like that is wage theft. That's literally wage theft. <laughs> what? It hasn't gone through yet. Oh. I don't think. I don't know where Amazon. Uh, which of the many suitors of cities ready which, to like kill homeless people for amazon we'll get to get them but which city will uh, fall next uh but uh yes bart has accidentally ratted out crusty crusty was supposed to sign this take it back and make him sign it uh no no uh stamping the back of a check is perfectly legal little boy uh, many people do it to save time you see in this case instead of writing out his name crusty has stamped the name of his cayman islands holding corporation on the hmm <laughs> Uh, excuse me a minute. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I can't divulge information about that customer's secret illegal account. Oh, crap. I shouldn't have said it was a customer. Oh, crap. I shouldn't have said it was a secret. Oh, crap. I certainly shouldn't have said it was illegal. Ah... It's too hot today. <laughs> I love that guy. That <laughs> mysterious guy again. So Hank Azaria playing the bank teller and the giant guy in the Cayman Islands. Like he's doing such great work. <laughs> that Cayman Islands guy, does he ever show up again? I think he's a one time character. I no. don't think he's ever returned. No, if he's yeah, returned, he, past he's, he's one of the he's one of my favorite one-time characters. He's so great. Well, it's he's perfect in that he's just the type of terrible accountant that that Krusty would hire because Krusty's so cheap. Like he, he should have hired a good accountant to have lied better. And now that I think about it, I think it's uh, Hank Azaria doing an impression of Sydney Greenstreet oh, from yes. uh, Maltese Falcon. Mm-hmm. I just thought of that now. Very much so. Oh it, crap! Oh crap! Oh crap! <laughs> 
It's beautiful. I for a second I got his scene in my memories jumbled up with um, the assassin that Burns hires, who's like Del Monte. Oh right. <laughs> I was thinking about uh, Big Daddy from the uh, spinoff showcase. That's oh, that's yeah. who I was thinking of as well. They yeah. have such a similar like aesthetic. <laughs> they, they 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 shop at the same place, <laughs> and uh, then they catch they catch uh, Krusty. This is like the third time in the show Krusty has been arrested in his home. By yeah. the way, this time he's just like sadly making jokes. Pop. Yeah, I love that joke in context with him later telling the IRS that he lives a swanky lifestyle. It's like you were making your own Jiffy Pop. <laughs> do you have that type of? Co- I uh, this is going to be all Ireland questions, but do you, is that Jiffy Pop stuff uh, available in Ireland? No, I've never heard of it. Uh, I don't even think it's available here anymore. No one wants to make popcorn on their stove. It's too dangerous. Yeah, it's like it's okay for camping, but yeah, give people a metal a metal one use skillet with popcorn inside of it it is fun to watch the thing balloon up but like microwave popcorn is just so much easier like maybe if you're gill and living like squatting somewhere with a hot plate and you yeah. can't afford a 20 dollar microwave <laughs> you can do that but uh it's not for regular people i think the first time i saw that was in like scream and i was like what the hell is that <laughs> oh yeah that's right it's american science it's also a great joke of the parody of the justice system that crusty is arrested within an hour like all the time codes say maybe even within 40 minutes he's I mean, been yeah. arrested. Bart is waiting at the bank while it all happens. And I think all these IRS jokes are also come from the place of John Schwartzwater being uh, seemingly a big time libertarian who hates the IRS. Yes. There's tons of great jokes about him in here, but know that it comes from a place of a man who hates who hates the IRS. I'm, I mean, I am dealing with accountant for the first time ever this year and i'm not i mean it's, it is complicated i and as i am about to write a check to the irs i i am almost ready to read ayn rand novels yeah, there are there are a lot of figures uh, on that check i was on i only like started going full-time youtube a year ago so i hit like the end of my tax year there and my dad's an accountant so he tells me with all that stuff mm. and he brought me out for lunch and was oddly pleasant to me purely to explain how much money i now owed to the government Ooh. and it was crushing yeah so yeah i'm right there with you. oh dear we, we're about to pay a lot of taxes this year too so yeah. we're not big fans of the irs either uh, but hey we no. didn't we didn't go through uh oh wait let's hear crusty get caught first before i uh, i was about to i was about to talk about avoision but it's not time for that clip one of their uh, one other bit of this i think is the kind of it's the extension of the ape costume joke from earlier where they phone yes. all the different banks and they all have their own weird theme I love them. I love yeah. the the your interest rates will go through the roof one. <laughs> and they're Which wearing you wouldn't yeah. advertise. Like why would you advertise <laughs> your interest rates are so high? I the giant house costumes they're wearing. Yes. And yeah, it's I, so good. I poured over it in like freeze frames on Frankiac and there's no explanation for the the deer antlers. There's no reason they're wearing antlers. You don't. Get, it's just random. I really, yeah. I have to wonder if there was like a uh, they couldn't cut to a sign fast enough, or they they cut a, a scene out or something. I don't know. But yeah, what were the antlers about? Who yeah. knows? Well, they definitely say on the commentary that this was a long episode. They had to cut yeah. a lot of dialogue. They said that they're only allowed to send like 21 minutes of audio to the animation team, and this was originally 26, so they had to make some hard oh. cuts. Yeah, the opening is just like right to the couch, too, in the yes. intro. Yeah, it's... it's God, a- can you can you imagine like the jokes that we have missed that were probably killer? Like, great. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Even the ones they couldn't even animate. Like, there's there's been enough like good ones in the deleted scenes, but that really 
really that's more like a double that's deleted after the first deletion really i'd say yeah and whenever we do yeah. those deleted scenes we always ask ourselves if we had seen this 50 times would this be a line that we would tell each other over and over mm-hmm. again and some of them i'm like this could this could be in my brain right now yeah not the joke about apu wearing a wig i don't no. think that would be it. that's that's uh i'm cl- that was rightfully cut yeah i'm glad that is not canon uh but yes crusty gets caught I bought this popcorn fair and square. <laughs> Sorry, the bank is... Oh, kid, yeah. gosh, I meant to tell you. Turns out that Krusty is one of the biggest tax cheats in history, and they nailed him, all thanks to you. <laughs> Some might say you're a hero, kid. Not me, however. I love Krusty. <laughs> I love that again, Hank Azaria. I'm gonna keep saying it. That's just a nothing voice, like be a bank teller, but it's great. There's like a little, there's a little spin on it. I don't know. It just yeah. it's special to me. Oh, I will say that bank teller. He's the one who calls the feds on Krusty. He was just doing his job. I guess so. But a real fan of Krusty would have turned a blind eye to that if he, he knew better. He took an oath, uh, Henry. He took an <laughs> oath. I just, I just love the little, the little tiny pause where he has a little inflection. And then he's like, "Not me, though." And it's yeah. like, he, he, he's saying this to like a ten-year-old boy. Yeah, and I love the. Uh, so last night on Twitter, go back three weeks to my Twitter account, and check this out. But last night I, I picked out all the best Bart drawings. There are so many very good Bart drawings, and the one with him like slumped over and his eyes going wall-eyed and disappointment <laughs> is so great. Like set against all of the closed bank teller windows, it's so beautiful. I love that. It's such a great exit in this, though. This is this is an oddly paced episode. I felt in review because it feels like there's four act breaks even though there's three commercial like there's only three acts really yeah and the the solving of the mystery takes place in like one scene in like one location there's no like let's figure this out one thing at a time it's just like we're here at the place let's do it here yeah but so we get back and i'm gonna call should we call this line of the episode i think this is my this is my favorite line of the episode it's my favorite acting that's the joke Ladies and gentlemen, Krusty the Clown was arrusted today for massive tax fraud. Krusty's years of tax avoidance would never have... Ca- tax avoidance. it's a crime. Look it up. Would never have... Ca- evasion, evasion. I don't say evasion. I say avoidance. <laughs> would never have come to light if not for a crafty little boy named Bart Simpson. <laughs> Photo courtesy of Homer Simpson. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. Listening to it with headphones on, you can really say evasion evasion yeah. you can really hear that in all my vhs rewatchings, i never really heard the guy in his ear so clearly as i do now but it's it's just no beautiful. me neither and yeah that that so that is just a very harvardy joke to me though like no one says avoision <laughs> that is a real word which uh according to wiktionary if i may read a definition on a podcast here <laughs> it's a non-payment of taxes that cannot clearly be seen as either tax avoidance which is legal or tax Tax evasion, which is illegal. Hmm. So that's why Krusty is kind of in the gray area there. Though I would think if he's being punished for evasion, then I think uh, the producer in Ken Brockman's ear is correct. Yes. If the punishment, if he's, if the crime he's being charged with is evasion, then it is not avoidion. But he still got busted, nonetheless. <laughs> Krusty gets busted again. <laughs> that feels like a battle that was in the writer's room of like someone yeah. said avoidance. They're like, you said the word wrong. Like actually, no. the all battle the, of the pedants. All these Harvard guys are gonna be like, I have the better dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the wording on Ken Brockman's announcement when he's like, a very crafty little boy. Yeah. <laughs> like as if Bart was setting out to do that. Yes, that he was yeah. out to destroy Krusty. He's really putting a spin on this, <laughs> editorial yeah. spin on this story. Yeah. 
Brockman is famous for editorializing very heavily in his newscasts. And uh, and also then Bart knowing that he's killed Krusty's career and that all the kids at school are going to beat him up as well. <laughs> it's very cute. And uh, so, yeah, we get we go to the IRS, which is oh. very boring and depressing. This is, this is the acting I was talking about. It's about. Not just the voice acting, but the animation. Just Krusty oh. like, losing his mind. Krusty's yeah. like, hand motions are so beautiful here. Oh! can't go to jail! I got a swanky lifestyle! I'm used to the best! Krusty, this is America. We don't send our celebrities to jail. We're just going to garnish your salary. Garnish my salary? Please, Krusty, no jokes. Who's joking? I... Oh, I don't know what you're saying. It all sounds so crazy to me. It simply means we'll be taking part of your salary until your debt is repaid. Say, 75% for 40 years. But I don't plan to live that long. Huh. Better make it 95%. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man, a lot of, a lot of uh, just crusty wailing and misery is great and freaking out. And I also love the scene with, with him uh, and Bart on the curb later where yeah. he's also screaming. <laughs> But God, like Krusty really screwed up by telling him he doesn't plan to live like yes. long. Like, shut up, Krusty. I mean, they could guess that he is a, like a what a sixty-year-old man at this point. He's been he is older than Bob Hope, or around the age of Bob Newhart, because of what mm. Bob Newhart says later. Okay, like he started a few years before him. So you should read Krusty as being in his sixties. Like he's not going to live another forty years. That's true. And I would like our audience to welcome back to the show Albert Dershman from yeah. uh, Stars Burns, the parody of uh, I just forgot his name uh, Dershowitz. Al- Dershowitz. Yeah, Alan Dershowitz, the uh, OJ uh, defense attorney. Oh, correct? he's done so many more yes. wonderful things since then. <laughs> but uh, he was just a weird one-off uh, critic-style joke in The Simpsons, and then I was I was like, oh, he's in this now, but without the billiard balls in his mouth. Yeah, I love when they pull a character out of the warehouse just to be like, well, should we just draw a whole new design for an IRS guy? Or I mean, we must have a dude in a suit and tie in the vault somewhere. We finally heard him talk. That's the important thing. <laughs> I, I love the nonchalantness. He's like, mm, better better raise ninety five. Like. <laughs> crushing the last bit of hope Christy has bankrupting him it's be- this is i think within the show the fourth time crusty has gone bankrupt like oh, definitely yeah. crusty gets canceled yeah and you should definitely think crusty gets busted they burn all his merchandise so he, he had to run out of money then and uh i guess that might be it he, he got a jump truck full of money for camp crusty but that wasn't that didn't cost him anything <laughs> that, that trip to tijuana he paid for that <laughs> yes. with a, a dump truck full of money i gotta complain man that that, that camp crusty sequel episode didn't start with them returning from tijuana that's the first moment where you're <sighs> like well they fucked up this sequel of all the people who should know it should be the simpsons writers <sighs> but Yes, yeah, the Al- Alan Dershowitz uh, was there and working for the IRS. And it's this tax lingo. Whenever I hear tax lingo, I also have the crusty react. I just think of the ta- <laughs> crusty reaction like it all sounds so crazy to me. It, I mean, that's what I think of when I see uh, Homer filling out the form at the IRS burger, just like <laughs> Schedule B, carry the one. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, well, first we get to hear Krusty's new tax show, which in both of these jokes here, this is not how things are at all. But the way the IRS takes a clear, like, purposeful stance in all these, like, no, no, it's not that Krusty sold off things to somebody new and then the IRS got the money. It's that the IRS took over the show and it is now basically state television. <laughs> I feel like they're overstepping their boundaries here. They definitely are. Hey, hey, kids. Now that the feds are calling the shots, <laughs> this show's got to be a lot more cost effective. So we had to cut down in the frills like... Sets, props, costumes, and sideshow Mel. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we can't have fun. For example, I sure wish somebody would give me a banana cream pie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess we can't afford pies right now. 
Well, throw something. Ooh. Oh, oh that corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Dan Castellaneta does great screams of pay. Like, oh, the corner. <laughs> and I love uh, Alan uh, Dershman coming in, like, just very awkwardly, like, pulling the briefcase yeah, out of the frame. Yeah. He wants his briefcase back. That throw is not to give away <laughs> a briefcase. Uh, the addition of the corner, like, ooh, yeah. oh, that makes it hurt so much more when you hear it. We're all squinting here. Um, I love just, like, how quickly Krusty's life has just gone into complete mundanity. And like the idea that they would take everything from the show but not cancel it is just Yeah. It's such a weird cynical statement about how like the IRS sees the world. Is, is he just wearing a sweatsuit at this point too? Yeah, they took like, his costumes. Yeah, yeah, he is. Like I guess they sold off his costumes as well and and his clown college too. Oh yes, that's another time he went bankrupt in the clown college episode. Yeah. Like Krusty can't keep money ever. It's and I'm thinking, you know, he just had an experience in uh, Sideshow Bob's Last Gleaming with improvising with no props. Why didn't he get uh, Stingy and Battery out? That's true. <laughs> the return of Stingy and Battery. <laughs> he Well, he actually didn't say they lost Itchy and Scratchy, so apparently he okay. got to keep them. But I'm more of a worker and Parasite guy myself. <laughs> <laughs> and also, nonchalantly, he's like, oh, we fired Sideshow Mal. Like, he's gone. There's no Sideshow Mal. He <laughs> he's, he's not even fired. He was a frill that isn't there anymore. <laughs> unaffordable frill. Uh, uh, yeah, so then we get to the IRS burger. Again, the IRS is like, they didn't sell this to McDonald's. It didn't become a new franchise. The government <laughs> owns these burgers now. They're, they're branching out into like entertainment and restaurants. <laughs> yeah. And like what kills me is that they had a new sign made with a man in a suit and a tie <laughs> holding just the IRS burger. <laughs> Purposely oppressive. I, I don't know why. It, I mean, they had, to, they had to make it look different. I don't know why they chose the color blue, but it is very fitting. I don't know why. It just it feels very appropriate. Yes, yeah, it, totally. it's, it screams bureaucracy. And this is some great acting here by Dan as well and Homer. I'll have four tax burgers, one IRS switch with holder lettuce, <laughs> three dependent size sodas, and a Ficacino. Fill out Schedule B. You should receive your burgers in six to eight weeks. Yeah, let's see here. Schedule B to line 53. <laughs> Take away. Hey, Marge, what were your gambling losses last year? $700. <laughs> Oh God! That he humiliates Marge so much with like that scream. She's but, very eager to scream it across the restaurant, though, for Hans Molman to hear. Yeah, eating how, alone in the how background. Did he get his burger. I don't know. I guess maybe he made the order two weeks ago. He could have, but yeah, that's. Uh, I always think of the, those lines when I am doing taxes or even filling out a W nine form. The simplest <laughs> thing ever. It's like, what if I miss something? Mm-hmm. I really like the little acting on Homer. Like you know, he takes out his little glasses and he puts them on. And he's yeah. just like it. It's it really sells like. The mundanity of it all and like the idea that you have to wait six to eight weeks for your burgers that was another thing where i saw that and i was like the government's weird <laughs> famously fast acting government yes yeah, they work they, they worked fast to rest crusty but for a burger gonna take a while i I, and also, when you think of Dan Castellaneta, like all your favorite Homer lines are just so big and giant and everything. But this is just such a quiet Homer until the end when he screams yeah. large. But uh, I think this is the time they all they also started giving him those little half classes to mm-hmm. when he's reading or whatever because it's it's Homer and it's like instantly funny when he's got like these delicate little glasses on. Yeah, or when he's trying to figure out how to punish Bard and Marge be not proud while drawing a robot. <laughs> yeah, cooking a uh, hot dog. <laughs> 
So then they get off. Uh, Krusty gets home. He gets off the bus, and that's where there is a big joke that I never noticed until it was pointed out, like on the commentary, and then I paused it because I just didn't look that closely at the bus driving by. Mm. But it is an advertisement for Mad About You, which was against them on American Broadcasting, 8 p.m. on NBC. You watched that show instead of The Simpsons, and it drove them crazy that they were losing to Mad About You. I think they were very bothered by. I it. think that's why I never watched it. Also, I think like Third Rock from the Sun was also opposite another big like animated show, maybe King of the Hill or maybe The Simpsons. I don't know, but I just yeah, I never yeah. watched. It. Third Rock from the Sun was, yeah. Well, I watched those shows when they were on Thursday nights, and then when they moved to Sunday nights, I didn't. I was a dutiful must-see TV. They told <laughs> me I must see it, and so I did. You got your badge in the mail. Yeah, and and But Mad About You is like, no one has thought of that show in a million years. It's a completely forgotten TV show. I, I've read uh, reports. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, totally, yeah. That's, I've, I've, I, I can remember Sky One, the channel that used to play it, had something like that as well, but it wasn't competing with The Simpsons. Like, nothing competed with The Simpsons in Ireland because we had like 10 other TV shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Mad About You was like surprisingly popular for being sort of a, just a kind of gentler Seinfeld, like a yeah. much more gentle Seinfeld. And uh, Right. Yeah, and I've heard reports that like it might come back in some way. I mean, everything from the 90s gets to come back yeah. now because they can't make good new things that they people, that networks want. So they're like, well, what if we just renewed this old show? The joke I thought you were talking about, Henry, that you didn't notice before was a shtick fair, the name of Krusty's estate. Oh, no, it's, I uh, actually didn't notice it even this time. Yes, uh, it was the first time I was like, oh, that, well, that that is a joke and I have to figure out what it is. It's actually, it's a parody of the uh, Los Angeles estate of Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford, which they Whoa. call Pick Fair. Those are Whoa. two like ancient uh, actors, both dead now, both wow. long dead. I never noticed that gag before. But Oh, but though, one thing they got wrong on this, we talked about how well they plan ahead of time with these <laughs> jokes. This one they messed up on first airing because... Mad About You was preempted by the NBA All-Star game oh. that night. It was people couldn't change the channel to go to Mad About You. Instead, what beat them that night? Well, the NBA All-Stars did get higher ratings that night than the Simpsons, but what also beat them was on ABC there was an episode of Lois and Clark, which is one of the worst ever and that made me swear off watching the show. Even I was a huge comic book dork. I would watch a Superman TV show. But at 13, when I saw this episode, I was like, I am done with this show. This is the stupidest show ever. It is where they teased no less than three times that Lois and Clark were getting married because the show was moonlighting except with Superman. And in season three, they're like, okay, this is the wedding episode. And then it is revealed at the end of the episode that the real Lois had been kidnapped and that Clark unknowingly married a frog-based clone of her. So then she could, he could marry the real Lois in a later season. And everybody was like frog clones <laughs> like they all stop it, it, by the end by the time they finally really marry they basically created a character on lois and clark in that scene to be like we're really sorry we faked you out so many times please come back uh, that's a lesson to all you men out there <laughs> make sure your fiance is not a frog clone before you marry her it's more common than you think <laughs> yes alex jones tried to warn us uh, turn the frogs into lois <laughs> Yeah, I also love Krusty's speeches about his memories. He's really burying the lead on his mansion like they can't take my memories. Locked up and involved in my wonderful mansion. I, I do like all of the Krusty-based, uh, I think there's like a topiary he walks by and also a statue, <laughs> I mean a fountain of himself. He's very much yeah. into his brand. It's a real celebration of himself. Though we'd seen his house in other episodes and it was not a mansion. It wasn't like, it was like say when the people were out after, the, there were the people outside of his house the the paparazzi he punched in the face like he's like he said 
where were you when I played Farm Aid? Like, that was not oh, a mansion yeah. he was in front of there. And when he gave away the trampoline, he was just in a regular schmegular house. But that I was, think, like, yeah. he rented a house just to get rid of the trampoline so they couldn't oh, trace it back to him. Because that, oh. that was a killer trampoline. That's true. Though he was waiting there with a shotgun when Homer came back to <laughs> it, too. <laughs> I, love, I love that joke. So as an auction fanboy, well, I, I spent Wait, more what? than my share on eBay. <laughs> okay, I was going to say. Uh, I, I love auctions. And this drove me crazy. I get it's the joke. I know it's a joke, but it drives me so crazy that if the IRS wants money, they need to start at $500, not start at zero, but it's such a perfect joke. I mean, all the things the IRS are doing are things that will make them lose money. Like, if they wanted Krusty's show to make money, they would not take everything from it. It's becoming a less profitable show. If they wanted the burgers to make them money, they wouldn't change the branding and have fewer people come there. But yeah, Hank Azari is just saying nonsense, and it's great. This is beautiful. And now, lot number 66, a handmade leather suitcase carried by the Krustovsky family upon their arrival at Ellis Island in 1902. A priceless heirloom and historic piece of Crustiana. What am I bid? 40 cents. Uh, I got 40 cents. 40 cents of a 40 cents of a hair. 40 cents of a hair. 40 cents of a hair. 50. 50. 50. 50. 50. 50. 50. 50. 50. 50. Sold for 40 cents. 40 cents? Ugh. My grandpa Zev would turn over in his grave if it wasn't filled with some veteran. Lot 67? 32 cartons of pornography. 10 cents. 12. 12 cents to our phone bidder in Japan. Any advance? Well, they brought us a dime. They didn't know there'd be pornography. Sold for 12 cents. Oh, my beloved pornography. I can't watch this anymore. I'm going to bed. How much for Krusty's bed? Half a buck. Sold. Good night, everybody. Good night, I like how everyone is immediately disrespectful of the things they're buying. <laughs> and what the weird, like, sitcom-y term, where like, good night, Mo! Yes, they all are like, good night, Mo! Like, what a character That's that beautiful. Mo is, yeah. Though with the pornography, that was actually edited out of some versions of the episode, and I think some of them aired in Ireland, because I only saw that bit, like, when re-watching The Simpsons later in life. Oh, wow, man, that's that seems like a syndication cut, perhaps, but it's such a, uh, of course he'd have pornography, like he's the guy who his lust for pornography kept the Quickie Mart open during their first that's shaky right. years, so. <laughs> that is a lot of pornography. <laughs> uh, and, and for 12 cents, 12 cents for all that pornography, and then when all the stuff's leaving, it's, they still have it all boxed up in a thing that says to Japan. Yeah, that was a nice detail. And uh, <laughs> yeah. poor, poor Jasper, he can't. He only brought a dime. He brought a dime to an auction. Oh, it's so sad. And he'll be dead in a day, so it's really bad. That is true. We find that out later. And yeah, that once they spend twelve cents on it, they're just like, eh, I'll put forty cents on a on a briefcase. She just fills it with water somehow and soaks her feet. <laughs> Immediately. Why? Yes. She really needed some relief. But shockingly, at those prices, no one buys his plane. Like it doesn't it gets no bids. The plane stays right there. That wasn't even up for auction. I mean, it was. Uh, okay. That's why he tells the story of. I also love that on a Dean Martin, him and Dean Martin got so drunk hanging out that they wrote a song that neither him nor Dean Martin realized he'd already <laughs> written before. I, I just love that beautiful. Line. That is great. I like. I love where that anecdote goes. Like, mm-hmm. oh, the song was already written. So Dean Martin was newly dead at this point, by the way. Too, he had oh. passed away on Christmas Day of 1995. Believe and yeah, that oh god, just that Mo acting on like, good night everybody, good night Mo, <laughs> good night Mo. He thinks he's on a talk it's show. Like, it's beautiful. 
it's like the one moment when like Mo is like positively acknowledged by so many people and he's wheeling a crate of pornography. That's so true. Yeah, everybody. It's the uh, one time anyone is nice to him. So this the scene with uh, Bart talking to Krusty on the curb, it is like, so, the animation is so great. I love Krusty both smoking and drinking and like gesticulating. He's doing a lot of like acting. It's great. I'm sorry for all the trouble I've caused you, Krusty. But you know, my mom says God never closes a door without opening a window. No offense, kid, but your mom's a dingbat. There's no silver lining here. I was a big cheese. A huge cheese. But now look at me. I gotta ride the bus like a schnook. I gotta live in an apartment like an idiot. I gotta wait in line with nobodies to buy groceries from a failure. Well, it doesn't matter how you live or what you did wrong. As long as you're on TV, people will respect you. Respect? Bah! What good is respect without the moolah to back it up? Everywhere I go, I see teachers in Ferraris, <laughs> research scientists drinking champagne. I tried to drink a Coke on the bus, and they took away my pass. <laughs> That's no life for a famous clown. If it'll make you feel any better, Krusty, you can punch me in the face. <laughs> nah, forget it. Go home, kid. Boy, you know, they really want you to feel bad for Krusty, but he has such contempt for regular people, and then he almost punches a child. <laughs> he seriously that, considers it. That line where he's just like, I have to buy groceries from a failure. <laughs> like, yeah. the, fact that he, the fact that he's, like, consigned this poor, like, retail worker to being a failure purely on that. I do. Like, he has so much anger in him, it's great. The li- Yeah, the li- also the line, living in an apartment like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I live in an apartment. I mean, he's been... Or the idea of- that, like, teased teachers and research people are riding around in ferraris like he's so disconnected from reality i mean he's been famous for decades so of course he would be and it would be shocking like it's very all of the setup here is perfectly reasonable that he would be suicidal later like you would would definitely read it as such and uh, though that speech too is definitely a takeoff especially with the use of the word schnook is a takeoff of the classic last lines in Goodfellas, which I'll play here, yeah, folks. Yeah. Today, everything is different. There's no action. I have to wait around like everyone else. Can't even get decent food. Right after I got here, I ordered some spaghetti with marinara sauce, and I got egg noodles and ketchup. Hmm. I'm an average nobody. Get to live the rest of my life like a schnook. He's more resigned. Uh, Krusty's more outraged. <laughs> I mean, he get, that's what Henry Hill, he gave up. He's just like, yeah, yeah, I gave up. I, 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 t- I became a rat. Everything I hated. I'm contemptible. But he lived He lived a long-ass life after that. Like, Henry Hill just died a couple years ago. Yeah. He would be on, like, on talk shows and stuff, like, at least yeah. semi-recently. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a bit in the, there was a good 30 for 30 documentary about a, uh, one of Henry Hill's many things was a points shaving scheme uh, in, in college basketball, which is about, you know, they, you know what the bets are. So you tell, you force the players to play differently than they would to score lower on the spread though the how complicated it was it seemed in that 30 for 30 made me go like well this is why this can't ever happen because it's like it worked for two games and then otherwise they just lost games because they were playing poorly yeah you're asking a lot uh, to rely on a lot of luck 
on your yes, side very there. much so. Yeah. Uh, I really especially love the gag here where Bart's like, you can punch me in the face if you want. And it's like a tight shot of Bart. And it's like, well, of course, he's not going to punch him in the face. And then we pull out and he's so close to doing it. His yeah. fist is quivering. <laughs> That's so true. It, yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to think that Krusty's going to reject that immediately. But he's, he's really thinking about it. Krusty's just thinking about the possible jail time. Not that he doesn't want to punch Bart. That, that is true. Yeah. He's, yeah. Oh God. And all the acting. I mean, this feels... It's not. It's Jim Reardon who's another master of the show as the director, but also it's in the David. David Silverman started the whole like big movements and acting like every syllable on Krusty. You got to move yeah. his arms for it. It's so great. It helped that Dan Castellaneta gave such a great performance in this. Just like mm-hmm. how powerful it is, especially when he like throws his bottle at the end. Yeah. <laughs> when he's talking about uh, getting kicked off the bus. Um, so beautiful. I was at an animation festival in uh, France before, and I saw Matt Groening walking down the street, and I ran up. To I was like, oh my god, Matt Groening, whatever. And like, you know, I and his friend he had a friend with him, and I asked the friend just to take a photo. And the friend was like, sure. And I was like, okay, cool. And uh so then afterwards I was chatting to them. I was like, okay, I'm gonna leave you to it anyway. And Matt Groening gave me his card, which is really cool. And then his friend gave me his card. And I was just walking down the street and I took out his friend's card and looked at it, and it was David Silverman. And I was like, oh shit, okay. (laughs) That's amazing. Wow. Wow. Oh, that's beautiful. Man, that's that's amazing too that David Silverman just was so nice. I would have uh, I would have been kicking myself afterwards, like, oh god, that was David Silverman. <laughs> so many questions. Yeah, I, I was. <laughs> uh, uh, well, it's I mean it's helpful that like Matt Groening, I like Matt Groening, he even jokes about how he had uh, he has a funny story on one of the commentaries how he made as a kid as a younger man he saw like one of the Looney Tunes veterans at a an event and he was walking around wearing his Warner Brothers jacket like his <laughs> crew jacket he was like oh this sad old man wearing his free jacket he got I'd never do that and then he's like but now look at me and he's just <laughs> walking around in his Simpsons or Futurama jackets all the time hey those jackets are nice I love those he, jackets. he was. He was like really, really cool. Like there was a really nice moment I had with him as well, where um, I was like, "Oh, I, I want to take." I I think uh, I was like, "Yeah, I I I I get your email, but I lost my phone." He was like, "I lost my phone," and we both just looked at the ground and kind of sighed. <laughs> this is what it feels like when doves cry. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I nearly, nearly said that line, except I was like, "No, nah, that too uh. much." Well, you're also probably on the better end of Simpsons fans who meet him in person because you don't like immediately whip out a tattoo. You're like, well, oh, I got to show you this tattoo on yeah. me. I bet you've never seen a Simpsons tattoo before. <laughs> so, uh, we don't we don't actually see much more of this uh, brief love affair between Superintendent Chalmers and Agnes Skinner. I, I think later in the show they do a like Harold and Maude parody with her and Comic Book Guy. Is that yes. right? Yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> Nobody asked for that, but they did it. But no. uh, this is this is uh, the one time we see them as a possible item. Yeah. So I I think they even regret it on the commentary or they regret I I swear I've heard the writers say this before where they like they felt it sold out Chalmers character to a degree that Chalmers has to be normal and dating Agnes is not a normal action for him he has to be the one boring guy in that world so him dating Agnes so this would come back when they go to the uh, they go to the drive-in together as well with Skinner as their chaperone oh you're right weird uh, I forgot that that was like a a tiny runner that they tried to do yeah yeah though also it feels like Agnes is 20 years older than Chalmers like Chalmers has gray hair but I never read him as any as uh, over 50 that's for sure yeah it's it's an odd pairing Uh, but yes Krusty goes flying as I call this clip Shiva H. Vishnu where does that noise come from? <laughs> I must say, I've had a lovely evening, Agnes. I don't suppose I could come in for a cup of... Seymour! <laughs> Mother? <gasps> Superintendent Chalmers! Skinner! 
but I wouldn't give her something to interrupt this awkward moment. <laughs> do nicely. You gotta hand it to Krusty. Yeah. <laughs> Even with all his problems, he's still willing to do something unbelievably dangerous just to entertain his fans. <laughs> oh, that's my Krusty. I got a feeling he'll be all right. <laughs> crashing into the mountain that's always been visible from the Simpsons house. <laughs> yeah, you can always see that mountain from well, I it's the it's the mountain I wonder if that's the mountain related mountain that Homer will climb with applesaucity in in later episodes. Oh, right. That is also visible from their home. But the that shot of the one shot of Bart with the plane flying through it and it tracking across is just it's so beautiful like lit by the moon it's yeah. a really cool shot it was a shocking moment when i saw this for the first time i didn't think they would kill crusty the clown but i was just mm-hmm. like well what is this next act going to be yes as soon as i saw there was i was savvy enough as a viewer by this point that as soon as i saw there was nobody i was like well all right i know where this is going like he's definitely not dead i did not they they I would not be tricked by a character death any longer on The Simpsons unless they advertised the shit out of it that someone was dying. And in case you didn't know, the I'm on a roll of gay, which oh, all yeah. of the uh, writers groan at, they're like, we just needed to name a plane, okay? <laughs> it was based on the Enola gay, which is the plane that bombed Hiroshima. Hello. Yes, so a funny. great memory for everybody to have. <laughs> Uh, I really love the the timing of Bart just being like, I think he's going to be all right. Like, they're yeah. out missing a beat. That he has to say all longer for the plane <laughs> to make it across and smash right when he says right. It's beautiful. And uh, Wiggum's reaction to the the flaming wreckage is amazing, too. Yeah, he's, he specifically asked people, like, crowd around. Don't be shy, crowd around. Oh, my God. Yes, that too. <laughs> uh, it's such a loud. There's so many loud performances in this episode. It's great. And that he gets to be officially pronounced dead by Wiggum. Like, Wiggum saying, Krusty the Clown is dead. Like that's all you need there. Like that's the coroner coroner report done. He does every uh, law enforcement job. Every, everything involved in the justice system. <laughs> he runs the jails. He does the coroner. He's he's everything there. Uh, so this feels like an act break, but it wasn't. Yeah, like, this is not where the commercial came in. And uh, we go straight to the funeral, which I love any Troy McClure scene, but I have to say, a scene with. Uh, hearing Phil Hartman at a funeral is like extra. It's it's uh, it has an unintended feeling of pain. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe Krusty's really gone. Don't worry, son. I'm sure he's up in heaven right now, laughing it up with all <laughs> the other celebrities: John Dillinger, Ty Cobb, Joseph Stalin. <sighs> I wish I were dead. <laughs> <laughs> we are gathered to mourn the passing of Herschel Schmeichel Krestovsky, beloved entertainer and dear friend. Hello, I'm Troy McClure. You might remember me from such show business funerals as Andre the Giant, We Hardly Knew Ye, <laughs> and Shem Powered, Today We Mourn a Stooge. Now, Krusty's closest friend and sidekick, Sideshow Mel. I'll miss you, Krusty. I and all the other sideshows, except Sideshow Bob. <laughs> <laughs> But in the midst of our sorrow, we can take comfort in the fact that your elevated blood alcohol level probably helped you burn up quicker. We see all of the uh, crusty side characters, including some very lesser known ones we have not seen in a long time. So Sideshow Raheem is there. Mm-hmm. Sideshow Luke I Perry love is there. Sideshow Raheem so much. Sideshow <laughs> Raheem is beautiful. He's easy to spot on that stage. We also have uh, Sideshow Luke Perry. Uh, Friend Tina- of the show, Sideshow yeah, Luke Perry. That's right. Uh, Tina Ballerina and Corporal Punishment. Corporal Punishment is not taking this well. He's really breaking <laughs> no, up. No. Uh, that's, that's one of the beautiful jokes you only get from Simpsons nerds writing the show. Yeah. Like, 
uh, David Merkin in his era, like he he was a very funny writer and showrunner, but he didn't particularly care too much for that history uh, c- compared to other guys like these. I think the animators cared more about the history than he did in those eras. But who remembers Corporal Punishment? Like that was a that was a one off joke in season two of The yeah. Simpsons. I remember him it's from because Corporal Punishment showed up a lot in the early Simpsons video games, but not in like the not in any of the later seasons at all. Yeah, I was just going to say that, actually. I remember him from the Krusty's Funhouse uh, games where you have yeah, to squish yeah. all the rats. He's like one of the people operating the death machines. <laughs> well, if you're a game developer, you are given a packet of, here's Simpsons characters you can use, like here's the ones you're allowed in the license. You're going to gravitate to any character with a gun as an enemy. You're really, especially in those early first year, second year Simpsons games, they had almost nothing to work with. They're yeah. like, well, as I mean, Bart versus Space Mutants is a particularly egregious one. They couldn't even draw the Space Mutants to look like they do in the show. It's look, they so, look different in every game, in uh, every version of that game. Yeah, what was uh, d- you must have played a lot of the games as well as a kid then, John? I'm guessing. Uh, totally, yeah. Um, Virtual Bart and Bart's Nightmare were two of my favorites. Because I, one thing I love about the Simpsons games is like, you know, the way the Simpsons has that just kind of. There's like a surreal quality to a lot of it, especially like the town of Springfield. I like that the games play up on that a lot. Um, the Simpsons arcade game, the scrolling beat 'em up one, mm. like that. I, I used to love that when I was little. It's a bit of a bummer to go back now because it's not a great game, but like its look is so cool. Like mm. seeing Simpsons kind of pixelated and rough like that and like kind of off model. It was great. <laughs> it is the best of those early games because it it's just doing what it's supposed to do. It's like you are a beat 'em up game designed to steal money from children and that's it. And that's all it does and that's yeah. it's good at doing that. It's it's pretty good at it. So this next clip, first off, I am very happy. Knock on wood, we're recording this a little early. You just doomed Bob Newhart. <laughs> we don't have to play the death jingle here because Bob Newhart is still with us at the time of the recording. Uh, just two years ago, he was celebrating the win of the Chicago Cubs finally win the World Series. He lived to see it. And he was born in 1929, which makes him almost 90. Yeah, he's 89. He's 89. Yeah. Oh boy. And there were the stories like, so Bob Newhart, in case you somehow don't know, kids today, I tell you, uh, that Bob Newhart was a pioneering comedian in the 50s and 60s, uh, worked very clean, but was just a hilarious, like, very very mundane and quiet type of guy who's perfect for the feel of this season of the Simpsons and a definitely great guest star to pick. He also was a star of a really great, uh, multiple really great sitcoms, the Bob Newhart show and Newhart, especially. And as a comic book nerd, I actually loved his third one called the Bob Newhart. Uh, but I think it was just, just Bob. Bob yeah. yeah. On that one, because the first season at least was set at a comic book company. And he basically plays a Jack Kirby type mm. who was screwed out of his royalties, which I, I just love that. I don't know how well his comedy is age. I listened to a bunch of it in college as the mm. coolest guy in the world cruising around, listening to Bob Newhart, but uh, it's like a lot of it are just very, very, it's not just like joke, joke, joke. A lot of it is just very, very long bits. And his style, at least in the early days of his comedy, was he would play one side of a phone conversation. Like you would not hear the other side. He would be the one side and it would be like a, like a 10 minute bit. Listening to it recently, I can tell you his his jokes about women being bad drivers in that phone <laughs> thing. Maybe I'm not the biggest fan of that, but like, it, whatever. Yeah, I think he was just like an insurance agent or something that was mm-hmm. funny, and he just left that to go into comedy at like in his in his 30s. I remember he he does like yeah totally about like the women driver stuff. He does have some good stuff about like the mundanity of corporate life. Mm-hmm. Like there's one he does. I think it's about him pretending to get phone call from Walt Whitman. I think who's the guy who discovered tobacco. That's and just what being I mean. like yeah that that 
that that one is very special. I think that one's that one holds up. I, yeah, I was actually thinking of that one because it's just underlining like you. Why would you put this in your mouth? Why would you smoke this? <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting. Uh, before I play the clip, which is a little long, the know that they cut down this a ton. That they are so pressed for time in this episode, yet they you're like, well. Bob Newhart has to talk in his style for a whole minute. I just wonder, like, what is, like, the five, ten-minute version of this they got from Bob Newhart? And did they write for him, or did he just... They say, like, well, just talk about Krusty and, like, you don't know him. I'm sure he didn't. (laughs) Next in our cavalcade of celebrity mourners, Bob Newhart. Um, See, uh, to to tell you the truth, I'm, I'm, I'm just killing... Time here. I'm, I was waiting for a, a well, a, a different, different funeral to start. I'll handle it. Bob Newhart, everybody. Huh. <laughs> oh, um, <clears throat> well, though you know, though I, I I started my career several years before uh, Krusty, so you know I could never really learn anything directly from him. <laughs> uh, still. <laughs> I, I think, in a way, in a very, very meaningful way, that uh, that I, that, uh, all of us, <laughs> have um, have learned from him. You know, you know that is by by being a, a clown on television for 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 so many years. <laughs> even even though you know many of us we we didn't we didn't want to show. <laughs> then, uh, thank you. <laughs> Well, that's the funeral, folks. We'll be sitting shiv at the Friars Club at 7 p.m. and again at 10. You must be over 18 for the 10 o'clock. It gets a little blue. I love that. It gets a little blue. Ooh. Yeah, I, I, hearing it again, and I've heard it like I don't know, 50 times in my life now. I do, I do feel like it is him just like improving, like making it up because it just yeah, the, the stammers. I think that's that impression, all right. Yeah, the stammers feel so natural, you know. I mean, he is a gifted comedian too. Um, I love that. Like, what's important to him in this scene is that he put across the idea he's more experienced than Krusty and then acknowledging that Krusty's dead. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That is a bit full of himself. Just like, uh, well, he definitely didn't influence me because uh, I started several <laughs> years before him. Uh, oh, also, skipped. Uh, I skipped over the, it's just a visual gag, but the memorial is Krusty saying, see you real soon, kids. Yeah. I, oh, I, I love that. Yeah, that's and, so funny. Yeah, Sideshow Mel like, takes... His pupils are a little too far apart, so he looks kind of demented. <laughs> and Sideshow Mel takes off like the the fabric covering it and wipes his eye with it. There's also a very odd visual gag in the crowd of the funeral in which it's uh, John Swartzwelder, the writer of the episode, sitting next to Kermit the Frog. Yeah, I don't so understand. I, I mean, I understand putting John Swartzwelder in, but it just it's weird to see them next to each other. They really stick out in that crowd scene. Yeah, I don't really get it. It's it. Some people even take it as that they're saying John Swartzwelder like is holding Kermit the Frog, or they're saying he's a performer of Kermit. It doesn't really make sense. I, I mean, the joke at least is that a Muppet would show up to <laughs> yeah. this, and that's yeah. how famous he is. Someone just put a Muppet in a chair. It's not quite a mop. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> we'll get to it. Uh, well, so oh, man, yeah, man. <laughs> I I didn't know what a shiva was as well. I I was quite a genteel boy, so I did not know the 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 uh, Jewish uh, funeral funeral term of the sitting shiva. Uh, so then we get a quick little joke about stamps, which is very ba- is based on a very real thing. So they talk about the the crusty stamp. They had a choice: the 
fun, exciting, crusty picture, or him exploding <laughs> and dying. <laughs> Literally the moment of his death. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's based on a very real thing, isn't it, Bob? Yes, I thought this was more recent uh, in terms of when the episode was made. It was actually four years prior. It was the last time anyone gave a damn about stamps. <laughs> uh, so the post office was like, we want to make an Elvis stamp, you know, to commemorate Elvis. And that was that was like the first time stamps seemed sexy and cool. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be an Elvis stamp. And they had a, um, they basically had a, a vote. You can go in your post office and vote. Do you want young Elvis or older Elvis? And of course, young Elvis won. And they announced it in weirdly enough, People Magazine in April of 1992. <laughs> but yeah, that was the last. Like, it seemed like a, it seemed like a huge deal. My mom bought the stamps, but now everything is on a stamp. The Simpsons are on stamps now. Simpson, everybody's had a stamp. Well, after the popularity of this stamp, they then made everything a freaking stamp afterwards. I bought some Batman Forever stamps recently. Not. Sorry, they are forever stamps with Batman on them, not of Batman forever. Now, now I don't care. <laughs> but the it was it was a huge deal then because it was thin Elvis and fat Elvis is what people called it because it was one of Elvis uh, as his fifties crooner style holding the old style microphone and just uh, singing away, and then you had a picture of Elvis from his seventy eight comeback special, which I now feel as a thirty five year old, soon to be thirty six. Seeing old Elvis as a 38-year-old is like, oh boy, ouch, I don't like that I was like, he actually wasn't that old. Yes, (laughs) and I read a, uh, this was from an Elvis blog about this. Uh, Someone was very mad that they referred to that picture as Fat Elvis Mm. because Elvis worked very hard to get in shape for his Hawaiian comeback special. He was not fat when he filmed that. He 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 got in much worse shape again afterwards and right before it he was, but it's just, it's, it's unfortunate for him that's what it got called yeah i think people associate old elvis with the peanut butter and banana sandwich era Mm -hmm. of and barbiturates too (laughs) mix those in there as well it also was funny watching i tried to find a news story on this uh on the vote and i couldn't find one on youtube but i could find one of when it came out and it was just all these like rabid elvis fans and just like oh it's beautiful gotta celebrate the king i'm buying a whole two sheets of them i'm I'm giving him a a southern accent unintentionally but they it just feels weird now to think of anybody caring about elvis i I, maybe i'm an out-of-touch coastal elite now but i I might be too but it seems like there are no more jokes about elvis fans there are no more elvis sighting jokes like is is the elvis phenomenon dead have have those people (laughs) passed away i don't know oh so then we get straight to uh Homer confronts Bart in a very funny scene. Yes, so the the last drawing that they freeze on is one of my favorite drawings. It might be my favorite drawing in The Simpsons. (laughs) Don't let Krusty's death get you down, boy. People die all the time, just like that. Why, you could wake up dead tomorrow. Well, good night. Just Homer leaning in, like just and Bart, like just plastered against the uh, the bed with like holding a crusty doll. It's such a great drawing. It's it's off model. <laughs> Their his yeah. eyes have never been bigger. Their eyes are gigantic. Homer waits a few seconds just to really let it sink in a bar. Like you get it. Yeah. Get, uh. I also like the very Homer uh, expression. You could wake up dead <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> it's funny because like there was a line earlier I forgot to mention just where Homer is like. Uh, listening, listening, like the you know, I wish I were dead, and he <laughs> says it with such sincerity, and it's like the same Homer here who has this kind of like nearly fixation on like the morbidity of dying. Wants to, <laughs> and it's such a casual thing. He wants to hang out with Joseph Stalin and, and uh, John Dillinger in heaven. <laughs> yes. I mean, they, sure, yeah, <laughs> they're definitely in heaven. I love, I love, yeah. You know, this paints a picture of a very depressed Homer in this episode <laughs> in the margins here, and yes, just Bart. 
Bart thinking about that his uh, morbidness that that also I had those thoughts as a kid when you realize what death is you I it, it's a familiar moment I actually had that uh, as a kid while listening to Beach Boy songs about um, that well as as Brian Wilson would sing about his fixation in the end of the world and death and never being remembered it made me go like oh I'm really depressed now am I I'll die someday oh no I prefer their songs about cars <laughs> and beaches uh, if only I, I should have just stuck to the ones about happy beaches <laughs> oh yeah uh, one statistic on the Elvis stamp so it's a funny joke that Kent says that it was almost two to one yeah. like 30 40 percent of people voted for the crusty death one in in real life apparently the vote was three to one thin elvis beat fat elvis wow there are some uh, fat elvis fans out there then I'm, it's a bit i actually like uh maybe i'm being a contrarian here but i actually do like the fat elvis picture more than the the 50s crooner style is, is that when he was doing his like uh, karate moves and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. it's in the karate hello karate hey <laughs> I'm just doing Jack White's impersonation of him now. Um, but so, uh, only on repeat viewings did I notice that in all of Bart's sightings that you hear, uh, that you definitely see Rory B. Bellows in them. But you got to pause so fast. But that's also why, like, this, it almost feels like they had an idea for a Bob, Sideshow Bob style mystery. And then, like, well, we have two minutes for it, though. So we really got to speed this yeah, shit up. Bob Newhart ate up a lot of possible <laughs> mystery time. <laughs> Uh, so we had to we had to admit, uh, Dr. Hibbert's office and again it, listening in headphones this is the first time I really heard this line at the start here and these pills will help with the queasiness Krusty? Dr. Hibbert who was that man? <laughs> now Bart telling you would violate the patient doctor privilege just as if I were to tell you that Jasper here has five seconds to live what did he say? he said I'm next <laughs> That should be Hans Moleman, and that should also be Agnes Skinner, I think. Yeah, both. It's it's weird casting on there. Yeah. I have to assume they revived Jasper right after those five seconds <laughs> since we saw Jasper after that. But you're right. The uh, I do really like how the, how, the, how the scene cuts just as, like, just on second number five. Like, it's really precise. <laughs> Bart witnessed another death in that office. That's true. It a real yeah. death this time. And But you're right, Bob. We, on the Agnes thing, that was the Agnes voice, but it was Mrs. Glick saying yeah. it. And we skipped ahead for a live show recently and went and did Homer vs. the 18th Amendment. And there's another old woman character in there that they just pulled up to basically be Agnes in it. And it's just so odd that yeah. they're like, they clearly want to do Agnes. They're having Tress McNeil do the Agnes voice for all these different old ladies until finally they would settle on Agnes should just be the mean woman in every scene. She'll, she will overrate any other mean old woman yeah. in any scene. But yeah, the queasiness line, it does feel like they were attempting to build some sort of mystery, but there's not enough time. Like there's it's no time. It's racing towards the end. But yeah, that's a little, he's getting like uh, Dramamine or whatever mm. for seasickness. Yeah, which uh, also that Marge, Marge was went through like existential sadness when Lyndon B. Johnson died yeah. of all people. What a nerd. Which uh, we can't talk about LBJ without again mentioning his large penis, which he nicknamed Jumbo. Wow. As our president did. That's, I, uh, <laughs> that should be on, on one of the dollar bills somewhere. Wow. <laughs> uh, it was, that's, that's what the Freedom of Information Act reveals to us. We get to hear his sim talking about his dick and the need for bigger pants to fit his large penis. Make sure there are no there's nothing being recorded when you start those conversations, <laughs> folks. And uh, well, also based on if 
Marge is graduating from high school in 1974 and having her prom, she would have been five years younger, a.k.a. 13 or 12, when LBJ died in 1969. So she would have been concurrent with Bart's age. Oh, I had him dying in 1973. Was it 73? Oh, that's when his presidency ended in 69, 73. Oh, then she was... He was was dead to me after that. (laughs) So then he died when she was only 17 or 16. Yeah, still in high school. Nah, she she should be that sad. (laughs) Um, So yeah, they... There's a very quick scene that feels like a Sideshow Bob type scene of Bart putting together clues, which is honestly too smart for Bart. That should be Lisa. But I do love Lisa saying like, well, I'm sorry, I can't. You're just going to have to live with your mental illness. That's really, that's really that's really harsh on Lisa. I think she's like, I have something over Bart and I want to punish him now. That's true. Uh, I feel like Bart gets it pretty rough this episode. Like, there is a real lack of sympathy for the guy. First, everybody's blaming him for uh, uh, ratting out on Krusty. And then after that, they can blame him like, no, you drove him to suicide. Like, yeah. Krusty is dead because of you, Bart. He has to live with the guilt of you're right, destroying him financially and ending his life. Yes. Uh, but- and Homer com- comforts him by assuring him that he he will die. He'll be dead <laughs> soon. Yeah. So, but you know, deal with it. But yes, then we uh, we get to see the extent of their investigation. Which, actually, you know what? I played the line of the show jingle before, but I think this ep- this bit is really the line. Of the You're episode. right. Nah, I've got some customers. Call me back, Ishmael. Ahoy there, minnows. <laughs> Ahoy! Have you seen this man? Nah, that's handsome Pete. He dances for nickels. <laughs> Pete. You got some customers! <laughs> no, we're looking for this man, Krusty the Clown. Nar, nar, nar. It's hopeless, Bart. We've searched up and down these ducks from Pier 1 to that Pier 1 by Pier 17. Lisa, look! A signature with stars around it, just like Krusty's. Rory B. Bellows. Slip eight. Let's go. <laughs> Not a quarter. Dar, he'll be dancing for hours. Boy. The uh, <laughs> Handsome Pete steals the show. He does. Uh, yeah, really. totally. The ironically named Handsome Pete. He was able to make something of his uh, deformity, though. <laughs> and he looks just like Krusty. He looks like a, a half-inflated Krusty balloon. Oh, it's beautiful. Handsome Pete is so great. I... I love he'll be dancing for hours is such a great line. Matt Groening says it's his favorite line. He repeats it all the time. And I actually, if you're a real commentary obsessive, you actually do get to hear him do that uh, quoted in real life in a Futurama commentary oh. where John DiMaggio starts acting like he's uh, the gay character on Futurama and he's really overdoing <laughs> Randy. it. Uh, Randy, yes. He's really overdoing Randy. And then, and then Matt Groening says, oh, he'll be dancing for hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I love Handsome Pete. I don't know if he ever came back because it's like the perfect one-time character, like the happiest man in Springfield. <laughs> but yes, uh, it's... He's a poster character at least. You oh. see him in the big poster of all the characters. Oh, for sure. I just love his little dance. Yes. And I love how he's like, after they give, uh, after he comes in, he's kind of shot from behind, you know? Oh, yes, you see his like yes. little feet dancing. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's, that's such a cool shot. And like just Bart, uh, Bart and Lisa's just uninterested expression. <laughs> <laughs> and- this is like this is like a, like a side show attraction and they're just like we have to find crusty this is not 
important. Uh, Krusty's like the form doppelganger is here, but we have more important things to do. I think Handsome Pete's underselling himself for a nickel per dance. Really? He could do, he could do totally. at least 10 totally. cents a dance. I feel like the captain owns him or something. There's some kind of sinister relationship <laughs> yeah, happening. Yeah, he's in the back room. He's not on the boardwalk. That's yeah. true. Hmm, there's something. And and also, th- I completely missed so many times that joke about Millhouse with the signature on his stomach actually sets up the discovery there of the signature with the right. stars around it. That's how they do oh, it. Yeah. But you see, but it moves so fast you don't even recognize in retrospect that they gave you a clue. And so much has happened since that Millhouse, uh, that Millhouse scene. A whole yeah. lot. <laughs> Krusty has died and come back again. And Rory B. Bellows is quite an Oakley and Weinstein name as well. I do, I do love it. And especially the the voice that Krusty affects for it is really great. Are you Rory B. Bellows? Yeah. About Krusty the Clown. Sorry, I don't do impressions. Well, if you're not Krusty, how come you have the exact same signature as him? I'm Rory Bellows, I tell you. And I got a lot of corroborating evidence over (laughs) here. (laughs) By the throttle! You know, you two could have said something instead of letting me make an ass of myself. <laughs> hey, you got a pacemaker scar just like Krusty. And Krusty's superfluous third nipple. Oh, can't you see I don't want to be Krusty anymore? That's why I faked my death. But well, we saw your plane crash. Yeah, but I wasn't in it. Just before I hit the mountain, I jumped out of the plane into a carefully placed net. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> He should. He should really should be dead. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, he's good at pratfalls, though. I mean, you know, he's good at falling. They, what they don't mention, so they mention all of the like uh, distinguishing marks and scars on Krusty. They don't mention his cattle skull birthmark, but it's there. It is. They drew there. it on there again. This is all like if you were uh, watching this in 1996, you're like they're paying off all of this like Krusty lore because these are the <laughs> Simpsons nerds writing for the Simpsons. Uh, yeah, the animators always meant to draw. Oh, they always would draw that on a shirtless Krusty. But the it's part of the Zippa Club myself. <laughs> they were just all one-off jokes in seasons three and four of the simpsons that they're just like one it's it the reason he has those three things is because the joke is you only need one of those to identify it's really crusty yeah. and then he has three is ridiculous that was one thing in uh, that was one joke in camp crusty right yep to yeah. show he was the real crusty now that has to be on him at all times there's another uh, crusty physical appearance joke that's really great that happens very soon well oh also the just the idea of a a comedian who fakes his death that he has died and or that they fake the death. It's it is an Elvis thing, but also it's really Andy Kaufman. I would I think it's meant to be. It's here. weird there there were no real allusions to that in in this episode. Not direct. Yeah. No, no. And I still I wish there was a time I was like, man, I want Andy Kaufman to be alive. There was the last time the tricks on it got me was when uh, it would turn out to be just a an unfamous improv person from UCB theaters. They this woman came up on stage at an Andy Kaufman memorial thing a few years ago. She's like, I'm his daughter and I'm young I was born after he was after he died, mm. but I'm I'm proof he's alive and then everyone's like, Oh my god, is Andy Kaufman really alive? Do we have proof? And then it's revealed like no, she's she's an improv person. I, she was fu- she <laughs> fucked with you like Andy Kaufman would. Have. I'm just sick of seeing Bob's Muda dressed up as Tony Clifton. Uh, but so Krusty is a- adapted to being basically the old man in the sea. I, I do love that that he's he literally turns his back on them when he's asked like, "Are you really going to turn your back?" Yes. yes. Yeah. Just the the yes and the back turn. Beautiful. And the uh, the complication. Uh, so this is all like non digital animation. So they have to do a lot of work to get all these like different planes moving at the same time. Oh yeah. And like how everything is synced up is. Very very beautiful and sorry one thing i was saying i really like about that scene is like there's two great pieces of visual comedy which i always feel like 
is something a lot of modern comedy really lacks. Like, first you have the joke where, like, you think he's, like, riding away on the boat and they pull out <laughs> and he's still there. Uh, yeah. I, I love that because yeah. it really, like, it the scene builds this beautiful momentum. It doesn't pay off. And then just the image of him slamming into that rock and then hitting the net. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so great. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's so... It's so the, the timing on the physical comedy with Krusty is great. And when they reveal that he's still tied to the dock... Just Bart and Lisa have just blank expressions. They're like, wait, yeah. you're not going anywhere. <laughs> like, you know. And then he try, he kind of like awkwardly tries to pull the rope off. It takes a few tries. It's yes. like he's not as like he wants to make a clever escape. It's like by the throttle, but he can't get away. And then it's just very awkward after that. <laughs> but also, he's not very experienced as a boat as a uh, as a, a, a sailor just yet. It's called a boatsman. A boatsman, yeah. So uh, then their trick of getting him back is pretty great. I uh, I just love all the ways they convince him, including once again using bozo as a term for. A He's nobody. Krusty's tired of having phonies around, pretending to be his friends. I'm sure he'll find plenty of people who'll like him for who he is. Well, uh, it could happen. Nah, who needs friends? The incessant people of the global positioning system is all the companionship I need. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Tell me where you are now, you bastard! All right, I admit it. I miss the phonies. That's all I miss. That and Shirley Jones and Marty Engel's New Year's Eve party. Huh. What about that great feeling you get from knowing you're better than regular people? What about being an illiterate TV clown who's still more respected than all the scientists, doctors, and educators in a country put together? Yeah! Huh. I'm not gonna let those guys hog all the respect while I'm out here in some stinking tub. <laughs> That's just what those eggheads want. Yeah. Well, forget it, Poindexter, because yeah. Krusty's back in town. Yay! Uh, so another well-observed part of Krusty lore is that his flesh-colored makeup washes off because this ain't makeup. This ain't yeah. makeup. <laughs> and apparently his nose is... I only is... noticed that this time around. I was like, that's a weird effect to put on the water. And then like he comes out and I was like, oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's a callback to just one joke. And as as a like 13-year-old or whatever watches, I'm like, yes, they got all the Krusty lore accurate. Like... They, for the sake of that one joke, they kept that as a as a part of Krusty's like physical being. I know that they kept it as the same makeup. On a lesser show, they would have just had him reapply makeup or something. Somebody would have, or in in the writers' room, maybe someone would have said out loud, like, "No, remember, there's the line that this ain't makeup." And they would have said, "Shut up, nerd. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody cares about that shit. We'll write whatever we feel like. I don't care." But and he the- takes off he takes off his fake he takes off his real looking nose to reveal his fake nose yes. or his <laughs> fake looking nose. That's that's one new angle. Like, what is going on with Krusty Zach? His actual nose is a clown nose at this point. I, it has become a clown nose at this yeah. point. He never takes it off though. Yeah. In Though I will say, in the crusty gets busted, he it is makeup and it ta- yeah. he takes it off. But That's season one, that is season one, and perhaps in between season one and when he reveals this ain't makeup in Homer's triple bypass, it did become permanent makeup <laughs> and not not it. But the God damn it, I just love. I also love that it pushes. Crusty over the edge that he realizes he did want respect. He loves respect. Yes. He can't let... He, he likes having phonies around to respect yes. him. Yeah, and uh, so a reference to Shirley Jones and Marty yep. Ingalls. Uh, we talked with uh, this in the interview with Bill Oakley about it, our second one. Let's do it on the Patreon, folks. 
Uh, but we joked with him about how he was definitely jealous about how the Rick and Morty guys got a giant pile of Szechuan sauce and everybody gets free stuff when you mention it on their show. And he never did when they did it on The Simpsons, except yeah. they got a bunch of liqueurs sent to them by Marty Ingalls as a thank you for the shout out on the show. Yes. And Marty Ingalls, uh, uh, <laughs> I guess you might know him maybe if you're as old as us because he played Pac-Man. He, yes, he played Pac-Man yes. on the Pac-Man cartoon. So. And then uh, Shirley Jones is the mom on the partridge family yes she's a little more famous yeah if you watch the drew carey show she was his older girlfriend not a uh, for a season as well on mm. the drew carey show and the life of rory b bell is insured for a surprisingly large amount they they walk away from like massive fraud laughing and like holding yeah. hands. Uh, well, yeah, let's give it a listen real quick so crusty what are you gonna do about your tax problem don't sweat it the life of rory b bellows is insured for a surprisingly large amount mm-hmm. <laughs> yep so that, that signifies he's now crusty it's, it's a very sweet despite the the cynicism of the scene it's very <laughs> yes. sweet how they're holding hands and like walking down the beach with crusty now that ending is very much yeah. is them saying like we're run out of time how do we get back to the how do we get back to the status quo we yeah. have 10 seconds left i'll just say he committed insurance fraud and collected <laughs> yeah. millions and millions of dollars crusty uh he's familiar with all the criminal arts <laughs> All the different the last of- three minutes really feel like um like they're kind of own thi- like nearly their own episode in a lot of ways like it has such a different tone from the rest of it I think it, it kind of works though like because they do they do like kind of set it up and pay it off in a cool way and I really think that's like a really sweet ending mm-hmm. yeah I think like pretty much the entirety of the mystery happens in that last three minutes in that yeah. one location I mean there are, I guess Bart seeing a uh, part seeing crusty appear around town is one mm-hmm. thing but just them putting it all together in one scene is pretty much the entire mystery. Oh, another drawing I really like uh, when Bart is reflecting on the mystery. Yeah. Like it's, it's a great front-facing Simpsons. There was a the whole thing about how weird front-facing Simpsons are recently as a meme. But that Bart looking forward right at the camera or just staring off into the distance as he thinks like, I am going crazy. Like it's not just that everyone hates him and that everyone blames him for Krusty's death, but now he thinks he is losing his grip on reality out of out of grief, and it's he's broken. Bart is just broken in that. Yeah, and there's a really interesting technical cut in that which they didn't have to do, in which when they uh, when they go in on Bart's front facing face. The scene around him fades to the scene in the bedroom with Lisa. Like the, yeah. his his body stays the same, but the the next scene starts with him doing the same pose. Like it's a very weird, like it's a very cool match cut. I yeah. love it. Totally. Though uh, my personal uh, conspiracy theory here is that <laughs> Krusty's plan all along was that he was going to kill. He was going to then fake the death of Rory B. Bellows and come back. Uh, but that Bart and Lisa discovering him just sped it up. And and it also dis- they, this ending doesn't deal with any of the problems of returning to life yeah. like nobody reacting like we all mourned you crusty <laughs> this is fucked up the whole world thought you were dead that is true uh crusty uh there's a lot of hubris and you could just uh, return after that yes his little giggle that's what makes it even better is his giggle of like i'm returned i'm crusty is like you caused people incredible pain and no one would just take you back from that either. Yeah, bouncing, uh, like faking your own death is hard to bounce back from. No. That's why it's great. They just, they got to end it right there. Like, boom, it's over. You know, don't think about it. Everything will be normal next week. <laughs> no, I love that episode. It's one of Krusty's best, even if it feels a little too packed, too heavily packed. Like, honestly, they didn't need Bob Newhart 
I love the Bob Newhart scene so much, but if they needed an extra minute for story, maybe you yeah. don't need Bob Newhart there. He's so great, but yeah, this is a very story-heavy episode, so mm-hmm. that's sort of just a distraction. Mm-hmm. But it's fun. It's a fun yeah. distraction. Oh, yeah. So, John, any final thoughts on this episode? Uh, I don't know. if Did we ask John why he picked this no, one? No, yeah, yeah. Why did you pick this one out of uh, out of the several available to you, John? I think this is just one where, like, more so than the overall flow of the episode, there's so many bits in it I just really like. I re- I love the image of Krusty's tombstone to see you real soon, kids. Like, that's something I kind of have said for years. I love I love Handsome P. I love, like, a lot of that stuff. And so I think even if the story of this one it may, might not be as, like, well done as others, I think the individual jokes of it stand out to me to make it like a strong episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's this is one of the classic like Simpsons packed full of gags type thing that they do better than just about anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I, yeah. Uh, well, so uh, John, you know, we we talked about your channel, Super Eye Patch Wolf, and, and yes, we got an awesome Patreon too. I'm a patron. So. We, we heartily endorse all oh, of all of John's videos. They're great, uh, especially if you like animation, and you should if you're listening to this podcast. Like mm-hmm. he does amazing stuff, especially with uh, anime. No, the dragon, your two Dragon Ball Z ones were great. They they really captured the current zeitgeist of returning to Dragon Ball Z and explaining what it meant as a uh, you know you talked about seeing it as yourself as a, as a young boy in Ireland. It was my same experience too. As you know, a 16 year old seeing it on Toonami in America, too, of just discovering like a whole new type of thing in Dragon Ball. Like it just changed everything for me, too. Yeah, totally. I, I love shows like that. Like, I think it's it's interesting when something comes along and then the rest of the industry is like imitating it for years. And like, that's kind of what The Simpsons is as well, you know, mm-hmm. like completely. Like, yeah. I love listening to the early interviews of The Simpsons and them trying to put across the idea that The Simpsons wasn't a thing. Like, it wasn't a thing and it was a bunch of <laughs> crazy idiots trying to make it something. And, like, when you think about that now, Simpsons is such a part of pop culture. It's, like, it's insane to think that it wasn't at one point, you know? Yeah, they just uh, kind of, just fate took its way there. It's, you know, I had a similar thing of uh, watching, now I've been watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I never read the comics, just been watching the anime in the last six months, and there's so many really? things wow. yeah <laughs> and there's there's so many things in it where people point out to me like well, you know the thing in street fighter they just took it from that or you know the thing in persona they just mm-hmm. took it from that i'm like oh this is all it's all clicking now all this other japanese media and the incredible influence of jojo and your jojo videos of why you should watch her are really great too i love those if i have to recommend one of your videos i would recommend the uh, one about kaiji the gambling uh, anime oh, and um it's yeah. like oh. i never thought i'd be into it but it turns uh, gambling into like shonen fighting uh with amazing results and i've been getting into it so thank you for that video oh i'm so glad like um you know kaiji isn't a very well-known show and so like i made that video like not knowing it was ever gonna like knowing it was never gonna like blow up or anything but i love it when someone's like yeah i checked out kaiji because it's that is such a special show yeah i never would have because it's one of like 300 things on crunchyroll i don't know and wouldn't know it was good (laughs) yeah uh, but do you have anything else you'd like to plug, though? Oh, I also do a video game podcast called the Let's Fight a Boss Video Game Podcast, and uh, we talk about we talk about lots of stuff. We talk about TV, movies, mainly video games, but we kind of go all over the place, and uh, it's a fun one. So thanks for listening, folks. Again, that was John Walsh. You can find him on YouTube as Super Eye Patch Wolf, and we've said it enough. But yes, yeah, subscribe to his videos; <laughs> they're amazing. Uh, his Patreon is great too. We like to 
support each other in this content community that we live in. As for me, I've been one of your hosts. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. Every Monday and occasionally Friday, it is a classic gaming podcast. Look for Retronauts in your podcast machine. Go to Retronauts.com for more fun. And as for us, uh, we all this stuff that you're listening to is Patreon supported. Uh, we are at the Talking Simpsons Patreon at Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And if you give it the $5 level, you will get every episode of both Talking Simpsons and What a Cartoon a week in advance and without ads. And there are other incentives on top of that, like the Patreon-exclusive series Talking Futurama, which we're going through right now. You can only find that on Patreon. The first episode is available for free on the Talking Simpsons feed if you want to give it a try. But I'll have Henry tell you what else we have available at that $5 level. And yes, you can give more. It's totally <laughs> legal, and I would do it. Yes, yeah, so the $5 level, you get access to every episode of Talking Simpsons a week early and ad-free. So you would have heard this one a week early, or you can hear next week's episode right now. Come on. And the same goes for our other podcast, which we just launched, What a Cartoon, where we go through a different episode of an animated series in this same Talking Simpsons style. We've done Batman the Animated Series. We've done King of the Hill. We've done Steven Universe. We've done Ren and Stimpy. We have even done the the hated anime with <laughs> Kill a Kill. We, it's actually a really good anime. We loved it. Yes, and we're going to be doing so many more. It's another weekly show. Bob and I have been podcasting maniacs this week, and we've been or this month, and we've been really loving it, and we hope that you guys are too, and so you can hear that a week early and ad-free, as well as a ton of exclusive interviews. We just did one at the time of this recording with Dan Graney, who is an amazing lifetime, or he's been on The Simpsons for over 20 years, has a ton of insight as a writer on the show who, you know, had gotten to a certain level, not executive producer, like as he said himself, like, you're asking a soldier about what the generals <laughs> did. So yeah. it's an interesting perspective he gives to it. Plus, at the $10 plus level, you get access to a monthly video where we go through a certain Simpsons thing Bob and I give commentary to. And also there's uh, the deleted scenes for season six and five, our season wrap-ups for every season, the entire first season of Talking Simpsons. If you want to go back three whole years to our Talking Simpsons beginning, it's all there on the Patreon. You have access to so many things just for $5. Henry's passing out, but he forgot Talking Critic. Damn all 23 it. episodes of Talking Critic. We've done a lot for the Patreon, and we think if you give us 5 bucks, you'll get a lot in return. But thanks for listening to this podcast, folks. We'll see you next week for Lisa the Iconoclast. See you then. infotainment.